To the Harkad Media Podcast. I am your host, Jesse H.S., and today we are covering the 1988 monster movie classic, the directorial debut by Stan Winston, Pumpkinhead. Since the beginning of this podcast, uh, since, since its inception, I have wanted to cover this movie because I think it is um, probably the ultimate monster movie and incorporates a lot of things. Um, Not necessarily a Halloween movie, but you have you have it, you know, this creature Pumpkinhead obviously uh, is uh, Halloween-esque, you know, pumpkin. He is buried in a pumpkin patch, uh, so it's a it's apropos. It's very appropriate that we cover it in October. Um, but this uh, this film is such. I I feel like it's underrated. I feel like there are a certain demographic of horror fans that do love, respect, and talk about this film. But I I just feel like it doesn't get enough love the love that it truly deserves i just feel like it does not get that so i'm going to try to do my best to give it to you today and uh so this this movie actually ended up getting its united states release um worldwide release on january 13th 1989 but it did have a limited you know its initial limited release was october 14th 1988 um, so we are, you know, celebrating its 32nd anniversary, its 32nd birthday. This came out the year I was born, about, um, about six, seven, eight months, uh, before I was born, or after I was born, rather, uh, in October for its limited release. And uh, Stan Winston, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the great, the uh, the legendary Stan Winston, 
he is a godfather of horror. He, as far as special effects go, he he has done so much to move makeup effects and special effects in in all movies uh, ahead. Honestly, you're talking. You know, the guy starts pretty much in the seventies, but you know things you would probably know him from. He ended up doing. You know, he created the the look and the all the effects for the original Terminator. He goes on to do Invaders from Mars, James Cameron's Alien. Uh, he does Predator. He was a little. He was uncredited in the, in that, but he did work on Predator designs. He did all the monster designs, and he was the creator for the Monster Squad when they revamped the Universal Monsters to give them a little uh, fresher look. You know, Leviathan, uh, another uh, not a Cameron film, but very very influenced uh, Cameron-esque, um, for sure, 100% by uh, George P. Cusimatos. Uh, for sure, there was a, a Cameron influence there. So the Cameron stuff runs deep as he goes on to do uh, the Terminator 2 Judgment Day effects, which we covered back in August uh, to celebrate Judgment Day. Uh, he, he does Predator 2, uh, Jurassic Park. He did the live-action dinosaurs. I mean, the guy, I mean, that's... That, that speaks uh, enough right there for, for me. And sadly, Stan Winston um, passes away in 2008. And uh, it's I'm, what, a, what a blow to the horror community. You know, this guy, for, for makeup too, he, he, you know, special effects and makeup, like the guy, you know, he has uncredited roles as, uh, you know, for additional makeup effects in Friday the 13th Part 2. The Thing, Friday the 13th, Part 3. I mean, the guy is just, he ended up doing, you know, effects for Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns, working with, with Tim Burton, you know, doing the, the really, uh, you know, subtle but awesome uh, vampire makeup effects in Interview with the Vampire. He even went on to be, you know, supervise, be makeup supervisor on things like, uh, you know, the sequel to Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Constantine, the guys, the guy, it goes so deep. All that that he's done. Um, I think I believe he worked with Michael Jackson too. I'm not really sure. I think he worked on a on one of his music videos, but uh, does a lot. Um, and is you know a mon- He's a monster maker. He is a create. He was a creator of monsters. Uh, be it you know the the terminators the machines in the terminator films or you know uh dinosaurs in Jurassic Park or this i think this is his magnum opus in my eyes is uh his creation of um pumpkinhead uh so the the film comes out in 1988 so it's based off a poem and i'm going to read that poem so bear with me i'm going to do my best uh librarian um impersonation but uh it was inspired by a poem by a guy named ed justin so there's no origin or anything to where this poem came from what it's about it was just this really creepy poem written by this dude and he is credited in the film as you know a writer because that's what the you know from the poem 
and the story was done by uh, Mark Patrick Cart Carducci, um, as well as Stan Stan Winston helping with that, and you know Richard Weinman helps with it, and Mark Patrick Carducci did do the and Gary uh, Gennari did the uh, screenplay. Uh, so, you know, Stan Winston works on the story. He he reads this really creepy poem called Pumpkinhead from uh, Ed, this Ed Justin. And it is just one of the most haunting poems ever, especially with no real, you know, you kind of got to write your own conclusions as to what the poem truly is. And that's what this movie does. It pretty much breaks down what what it could be, you know. Um, but I, I'm going to read that poem uh, right now. So keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone, but in some vengeful fashion, excuse me, but in some dreadful fashion, vengeance he considers fun and plans it with a passion. Time will not erase or blot a plot that he has brewing. It's when you think that he's forgot, he'll conjure your undoing. Bolted doors and windows barred. Guard dogs prowling in the yard won't protect you in your bed nothing will from pumpkin head very eerie very uh cryptic very ominous it is uh it's it's very haunting uh, so you, you, you hear a little of the influence of the vengeance and things like that. And that's what this story of Pumpkinhead gets, you know, conjured up, uh, by Mark, pa- Mark, Mark, Patrick Carducci, Stan Winston, uh, Robert Weinman. Um, and, and they, they put together this film and we have the, the amazing, the, the talented, one of my favorite actors of all time, probably in my top three favorite actors of all time, Lance Hendrickson, uh, playing the role of Ed Harley. Now the film opens up with a little boy that you find out a mere four minutes later is a, a grown Ed Harley at that point, but is a very small shack. We're in the Appalachians, the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, a very small shack holding this family in the 40s. And... We see a man come up to the this shack, pounding, saying, you know, he didn't mean to kill this girl. It's after me, Tom. There's, you know, lightning, thunder, some some crazy shit happening outside. And he's being tracked down by something. And they don't say um, the name yet. Um but it is after him. He says, you know, he I didn't mean to kill that girl, Tom. And and Tom, who is Tom Harley, Ed Harley's father, says, I don't know nothing about that. I don't want to know. Get away from me and my family, you know, uh, because if you get in its way, you know, you will be taken out as well. So Ed, Ed Harley is just a, a child. He sees this guy uh, being, you know, torn apart, grabbed killed outside the window by Pumpkinhead. Now, Tom Hardy, Harley, excuse me, was uh, smart enough to keep his family out of the way, not let this guy in, because as soon as you get in the way, get in, in the path of this thing, you know, you're, you're done too. You're, you're, you're on the chopping block as well. So luckily he was not 
stupid enough to get in its way. And uh, we get uh, pushed right to uh, current day, which in current day when this film came out in 1988, Ed Harley owns a a little store. Uh, We see a relationship with his son, uh, Billy. Now, Billy is just a... Now, you don't really see or hear anything much about the mother. You know, she's not there. She has passed away. But you see that... um, Ed has a very special relationship with his son, Billy. Uh, it's a very, you know, uh, kind, you know, Ed Harley is, uh, you know, he's this Southern guy living in the Appalachians and he is, you know, very kind to his son. He's, he's teaching him. It's a very, it's a very strong bond. You, you get immediately when you see, uh, you you see that his his son has made him a necklace. Uh, he's you know teaching his son things. You know he tells him you know don't no you know don't feed the dog under the table. He's trying to teach him some manners. And Ed Har- Harley runs uh, a uh, a little store, and they go to it, and we uh, we see these you know I guess they're early to mid twenties. Gang of folks. Uh, we got John D'Aquino playing Joel, his brother. Uh, Steve Stretch played by Joel Hoffman. Uh, they're motor motocross guys. They got a couple dirt bikes. Dirt bikes were big in the late eighties, uh, early nineties. Uh, my father was a, a bit of a, a gearhead, a, a motorhead guy, and he uh, he had uh, dirt bikes as well as a Harley. And he always had things like that, but for some reason, I feel like the the dirt bike, the motocross thing, was was big in the late eighties. For some reason, it was just a, I don't know if it was a just a symbol of a sim, symbol of what makes you cool is to have a, a fucking Kawasaki or or, or a Yamaha uh, dirt bike for some reason. But we get Jeff East playing uh, Chris. Chris is more of the you know laid back, level headed, good guy. Uh, and uh Tracy is like his gal uh you know another one put together not not a complete asshole uh, uh a good-hearted person we get Maggie who is kind of like the Judith O'Day subdued kind of freaked out uh girlfriend to uh to uh Steve and Steve is the younger brother of Joel Joel is Drinking and driving, complete fucking reckless asshole. You can tell already he's a piece of shit. And I don't know what that line is. You never know what you're going to find in the jungle. Yo. I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know if that was a slot. It had to have been like a sliced alone uh, impersonation or something. But John D'Aquino plays uh, this Joel character as uh, as close to perfection as is developing just a true asshole. Uh, but John D'Aquino is, is still acting to this day. I mean, the guy is, is still doing, uh, you know, a lot of TV, a lot of TV, a lot of shorts. Uh, he was in, he was in Dexter for a few episodes. The guy, uh, CSI, like the guy, Monk, like he, the guy is a, a true TV, uh, star. Uh, so he's still acting to this day. Um, but we see, you know, them get out of, uh, we oh of course I, I 
I have to get to it immediately right now. We get George Buck Flower as uh, as uh, Mr. Wallace. Now, Mr. Wallace has got shows up to the store. Um, he uh, is buying some uh, buying some feed off from uh, Ed Harley. Uh, he doesn't have it. He left it at the house. He's gonna go get it. We see uh, Mr. Wallace show up now. Mr. Wallace has been busy with Mr. Wallace because there's like fourteen of these fucking kids. It looks uh, similar to you know fucking J Block and a night in New York. There's just fucking all these fucking kids of the same bloodline running around fucking causing chaos. Now these are true. Uh, country bumpkin Appalachian kids for sure very dirty you know clothes are probably handmade or or you know found in I don't know the re- the recesses of the fucking side of the road or something very dirty and, and true to life uh you know a lot of this life still exists maybe not as common today but definitely you know in, in decades prior you know through the 80s and the 90s there and there still are parts of the united states where it is very it is low as low economic uh struggles the lowest of economic struggles that struggles that you can imagine um that most people aren't aware of in in you know the appalachians middle america the south you know you just uh most people aren't uh privy to it but it does uh it does exist uh but we also get uh brian beamer bremer excuse me uh as bunt bunt wallace that's a great uh it's a great name i don't know what the significance of having his uh name be bunt um but uh you may recognize brian beamer as uh pino in uh silent night deadly night five the toy maker with uh the great and hilarious Andy Rooney, uh, but yes, he plays Pino, the uh, the robotic fucking lifelike toy. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, it's 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 so fucking wacky. It's such a wacky film. The the fifth entry in the Silent Night Deadly Night uh, franchise. Do check that one out, and that's immediately what I knew him from. I I grew up with Pumpkinhead. I grew up with it. It's probably one of the first five to six horror movies I truly remember watching. Um, and uh, it took me, you know, years later watching uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. I was like, holy shit, that's the dude from fucking Pumpkinhead who plays fucking Bunt Wallace. But yeah, uh, so I, I had to talk about that. We get Florence uh, uh, Schaffler playing Haggis. Now, Haggis is the summoner. Uh, who we're going to get to, and she just passed away recently, um, just a few Decembers ago in 2017 at 97. What, what a run, what a, a goddamn run, actually, living to 97, uh, truly, uh, truly awesome, she was in, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of random movies, Bachelor Party, she played Sister Mary Frances and, and Bachelor Party, and I think that's pretty much all I had, you know, knew that she was in uh, upon looking it up. And I think she had a small role as, in Problem Child as one of the nuns, I think. Uh, but n- not a huge filmography at all. But uh, but was in Bachelor Party and Pumpkinhead. And, uh, but yeah, we have uh, Cynthia Bain playing Tracy, as I said, is the the girlfriend to, to Jeffy's character of Chris. 
Uh, Kim is uh, John D'Aquino's character of Joel's girlfriend, uh, played by Kimberly Ross. And she is kind of just, you know, she could tell, you could tell that she fears Joel and she doesn't want to upset him in any way. So she's just kind of like a following, go along to get along girlfriend to uh, the asshole that is uh, Joel. And uh, so Ed Harley leaves the, leaves the shop and uh goes leaves his leaves billy and his dog just for uh you know five minutes and uh joel and and uh steve which is don't get that confused joel hoffman's character is named steve but his brother played by john diaquino's name is joel just so that doesn't get mixed up but these guys take their motocross bikes out. They're they're taking shots. You you got Tracy's Tracy taking pictures of the the Wallace kids because she just thinks it's you know such a weird slice of life that she has to capture. She's got a camera. She also looks like she's going like hiking, and, and she's like a, a dressed like a fucking archaeologist with uh, uh, the that vest on. But uh, but she's taking pictures of the Wallace kids, and. Uh, you see the Wallace kids teasing one of their own, uh, and they 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 sing the rhyme, the the poem, the pumpkinhead poem, uh, and uh, Tracy, you know, tells them to stop it. Uh, she doesn't want them to hear that. Uh, she doesn't even know what it's talking about. It's obviously something that is uh, unsettling to the to the kid that is being tormented, the the youngest Wallace uh, offspring, and. Uh, so Joel and Steve are out riding their motocross, uh, right, you know, riding their dirt bikes, uh, motocrossing it up, uh, doing their best fucking, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy McGrath fucking in these, uh, these hills over by Ed Harley shop and, uh, Gypsy, the dog runs and Billy goes in hot pursuit, hot on the, hot on the run behind him and, uh, gets hit by Joel as he comes down and uh, he's messed up bad and Ed Harley returns to find that these motherfuckers have left him and luckily Steve, the uh, the younger, innocent, non-asshole brother is still there um, and they take off. Uh, you know, Joel says, listen, I got, I got a, you know, DWI. I can't afford to take another accident. I'll go to jail. Um and they take off, and Steve's there, and Ed Harley gets back to find that his son has been hit by one of these uh, by one of these dirt bikes, and looks at Steve like he wants to kill him as he sees that everyone else has left, and Steve is the only one there that stayed with his kid, and he is very angry, and and uh, you know when uh, when Steve catches up to his brother and the rest of the gang, Chris Chase uh, Tracy. Maggie, uh, and Kim, he, uh, you know, he goes, you know, is the kid okay? Well, I don't know. He came, he's like, was he mad? Did, what did he look? And he says, Steve says, you know, he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. Uh, so we have, uh, Ed Harley going up to, uh, well, first of all, we see Ed Harley just, mourning the loss of his son now that his son's died everything ed harley has nothing now his son was his everything and now he has nothing he has a store 
but he has no one to pass that along to. He has no one left, you know, but, uh, ironically enough, when the Wallace kids are torturing one of the younger Wallace kids and singing that pumpkin head song, Ed Harley has flashbacks to what he saw when he was a child, what he, you know, knows was the legend of Pumpkinhead. Um, so he knows that it's real. So, you know, reeling off the, the death of his son, he goes up to the Wallace house and uh, reveals to uh, Buck Flowers, you know, uh, Mr. Wallace, that his son was uh, killed and hit by those city folk. And uh, Mr. Wallace wants nothing to do with that. He's not sending Ed Harley to where, you know, the old woman in the woods that knows, you know, how to deal with these things isn't going to send them. So we get Bunt, you know, for a, for a cool five, ten bucks uh, offers to show him the way and show him where Haggis lives in the woods. This witch, you know, they, they talk, you know, this witch in the woods knows how to uh, how to handle these situations when you are seeking vengeance for the death of someone you uh, cared for or loved and... Yeah, so she, uh, Ed Harley gets there, an old woman in a swamp in a shack, and meets Haggis, and Haggis, you know, doesn't want, he says, you know, what you're, what you want, you know, there's going to be a price for, you know, and he, you know, Ed Harley offers her whatever he has, and he wants vengeance, and he tells her, you know, I saw it, I know what it is, and, you know, Ed Harley is willing to pay whatever the price is. And it's a it's a it's a very high price for vengeance. And she she caves, she tells him to leave the boy, and she tells Ed Harley, you know, it's in the pumpkin patch. Uh what you're looking for is there. Bring it here. Uh it ain't gonna be any good to you unless I get my hands on it. And uh, we get this uh, brutal scene where he's getting back in the truck, and he uh, and he is uh, he brings uh, you know the carcass. It's such a creepy and, and odd scene when he gets to this pumpkin patch and this this big like uprooted like uh, like weird plateau thing where he unburies what is presumed to be the carcass of uh, Pumpkinhead. And when he is bringing that thing back to Haggis, you know, he has the the odd moment where he realizes it, you know, when Billy, you know, he has this uh, mirage or premonition where Billy goes, what are you doing, uh, daddy? And it's just, it, you know, Ed Harley starts to break down, but it makes him miss his son more and vengeance is... Vengeance is indeed born as he brings the the carcass of Pumpkinhead back and, you know, takes blood from Billy and and conjures this thing up. And uh, it is Pumpkinhead. And Pumpkinhead then, you know, goes on to wreak havoc. And this thing, the the creature of Pumpkinhead is just so memorable. It is the most memorable movie monster next to the wolf the original wolfman the original wolfman being my favorite if someone had to ask me what my second favorite monster in movie dumb in in filmland ever was pumpkinhead is number 2 i think 
that character and, and I know the sequels get a lot of flack. I do love I do like the sequels and I, and I do like the second uh film, Pumpkinhead film Bloodwings um a lot as well, but the original is just so it's just so classic and it's just, you know, this Pumpkinhead creature obviously has a a head that looks like a pumpkin and then with a face grown out of it. It's got these big bony shoulders these long, elongated uh, hands with these long fingers and these huge fingernails. And it truly does look like a creature that, w- that was born out of the, the, the roots in the, the ground and the soil of a pumpkin patch. And it is just, you know, these, these foggy white eyes. Uh, it is just, it is one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable movie monster um, post, you know, the classics, the, you know, the Wolfman, Dracula, Nosferatu, you know, the werewolf, an American werewolf in London. This is right there with, with the rest of them. And it is just some of the most creepy, uh, makeup effects like of all time. It, 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 it truly is. And it is very frightening to think that someone wrote this poem and this movie comes to life out of it. But it's 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 truly creepy to think what was that poem truly about was it just was it just uh you know was it fiction was it was it just was it just a, a work of fiction and just something fun or you know did someone deal did this ed justin guy deal with the uh, with something and and he thought like wouldn't it be cool if this was you know thing but but that whole story isn't fleshed out in the poem it's fleshed out in the movie so i'm not sure what the i would love to and i'm not sure if ed justin is still alive um but what a creepy poem and what a creepy movie we get out of it and i just don't know if you could have created a better character to out of the the words of that just ed justin poem for Pumpkinhead. i don't know if you could have created a better character as far as the makeup effects go it is just so goddamn creepy, and it is—it's just perfect. And you know, for the the makeup effects, we have uh, Tom Tom Woodruff Jr. Uh, is one of the main makeup effectsers, if I guess if you uh, if you will. But it is just it is it is just truly haunting the the images of him, and it's so memorable. But at the same time. You know, and you get more, you definitely get more backstory in the second film. But in this first film, you don't really know to have sympathy for, for Pumpkinhead yet. But in the second film, you obviously, you do. And, but this is just a creature of vengeance. It, it doesn't, there's no bargain. It's very similar to, say, a Terminator. You know, there's no bargaining. There's no remorse. There's no anything it is it is out for and and tom tom woodruff jr who who worked on in the uh makeup department and and did the creature makeup effects actually played Pumpkinhead. he he was in the the suit now the suit i think had it's still like a these shorter stilts onto it to give him that height um and it is just truly truly uh an amazing uh, work of art, obviously supervised by Stan Winston, uh, more known for his effects, but gets his directorial debut on this. And it is just, 
it's great. And, you know, Pumpkinhead runs through all these people, these amazing kills. I'm not going to try to explain the kills or anything. I, I pretty much, you know, the, Pumpkinhead comes back and exacts revenge on anybody that was involved with the killing of Ed Harley's son. And uh, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, if I had a guest on and was talking about this movie with me, we would we would we would dive in a little bit deeper. But I, I really want people that are listening to this, the few that uh, that truly uh, do support and follow this podcast, I'm internally grateful for um, everybody that is involved with this podcast. My consummate uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Eric Scott Tyler. You know, Sean and Brian, who have appeared on this podcast so many times, and Lou and, and all the guests, truly appreciate the support. Um, but if you're listening to this episode right now, I, I truly want you to go watch this film if you have not, because it is, because it is it's truly one of the standout um, unsung heroes of 80s monster movies. And, you know, we've gotten away... In the past 20 years, we've truly gotten away from monster films. It's more about possession films. It's more about, um, you know, poltergeisty movies, uh, haunting movies, haunted houses, possessed items, possessed dolls. We've really gotten away from true monster movies. So when there are monster movies out these days, I take, I take, uh, great interest in in making sure that I, I see them I want to see what people are doing and sadly the advent and the the beginning of CGI of what you know what would become you know the constant use of CGI you know starts in the early 90s really we get a lot we get some of it in the 80s in the mid 80s or even in the early 80s but in the mid 80s and the late 80s but once the 90s came CGI just started taking over and there were still amazing practical practical effects in the 90s but once the 2000s came studios just did not want to spend the time and the money it was mainly the time to um to hours and makeup chairs and things like that so i i get it but the makeup effects that are computer generated images are just not they don't have the heart that practical effects have and this is one of the best practical effects monster movies out there this is this is on the short list. If I had to give you five films to check out for the monster effects, I will just strictly say monster effects. You know, I'm saying American Werewolf in London for Rick Baker's work on the werewolf. Would say this, Tom Woodruff Jr. Um, and that effects crew that worked on this, obviously being supervised by a godfather of makeup effects and uh, Stan Winston. I would probably throw The Howling on there, too. Another 1981 uh, werewolf movie, um, Rob Bottin. I would probably say anything Savini's done. Probably uh, Day of the Dead, um, Creepshow. I'd probably throw those on that short list as well. Um, for Tom, some of Tom Savini's best work uh, of all time. Um, but Pumpkinhead's right I, in the same breath of, as those films when I'm telling you to check out Monster Effects. It's truly, uh, truly memorable. This is just a haunting story of vengeance. And, uh, you know, something everybody can relate to. Someone's wronged where the course of your life has changed. When someone in your that you love is, is taken away from you. Or, you know, you are wrong to a life-altering 
effect and to a, a life-altering degree where you would do anything to seek vengeance. Uh, we see a lot, you know, uh, when, you know, people are, their loved ones are, are murdered, we see these courtrooms where people, they don't have a pumpkin head. So they lose their mind when you see these fathers lose their daughters to to being murdered by someone and they lose their mind in the courtroom and they try to attack them to no avail. Unfortunately, they're, they're held back and, and then restrained and then treated like the criminal. I mean, that's the kind of messed up world we live in, but it, it you know, this speaks to the heart, you know, seeking vengeance when you can't seek it yourself, you call upon Pumpkinhead and, you know, he, he writes the wrongs. Uh, in, in some degree, maybe to uh, to a more undeserving or maybe to a, a, a higher extreme than maybe most people would think. But if your son is killed and you that's all you have is your son in your store and your son, your only, you know, kin left because for all intents and purposes, Ed Harley's mother and father are dead. He has no other children. The wife is gone. She's dead. And you have your son. And now your son was just murdered and they left. All but one person left. So if anybody should have been spared, it was it was uh, Steve, the character of Steve. And it's very, it's very unfortunate that uh, he had to die in this because I feel like he more than anything wanted to, was trying to do the right thing. But, you know back to my point the you know the story of vengeance is as old as time as old as any novel that's been written and pumpkinhead is a, a creature of vengeance there's a purpose behind him it's not just a monster for monster's sake there he is a a passionate resolution to right wrongs but those you know that the conjuring of him comes with a price. You know, we see in the movie, we see Ed Harley turn, you know, start turning into Pumpkinhead. He feels the pain when these people are being murdered. But there's like a joy that you take in that too, knowing that those people, you're feeling what they're suffering. You want them to suffer that bad because they made you suffer that bad when your son was taken from you. And Lance Hendrickson just plays this role of Ed Harley so well and just dives in and you know and understands that at the end he understands that it's went too far and he didn't he didn't want it to go like this that he wanted it to stop you know he goes to haggis he you know he wants it there's you know and she tells him there's no stopping this now like you have you know there's you have to try to stop it if you want to stop it you know, and that ends with your life, you know, he was, Ed Harley was damned when he made this, you know, this pact, the, when he conjured Pumpkinhead for the revenge of his son, and it is, Lance Hendrickson is, is just on another level, I feel like, you know, I just recently watched Near Dark as well, and I'm always watching a Lance film, I feel like, you know, Lance just, I was fortunate enough to meet him, um, about a year and a half ago, ish, uh, and he was just the most gracious, humble guy. You know, a guy that dropped out of film or film school, uh, dropped out of school. I think in the sixth grade, 
and uh, having that street education and just being so grateful for the career he's had. He was one of the nicest people I'd ever seen. And he, this uh, the girl that was in front of me was a big Lance Hendrickson fan, and we were we we talked a little bit about you know some Lance stuff, and we just had a nice conversation. Uh, my girlfriend and I had a nice conversation with her, and uh, and when we got up there, she was talking about how you know she she wanted uh, she wanted to get uh, that book signed. She'd look for it like everywhere. But she only had, you know, she was only going to get this signed. Uh, but Lance Hendrickson went and signed both things for her for the, for the you know, price of one. And, and you could tell that it wasn't about, you know, the money. Obviously, yes, they're, they're, making, they're making money when they go to these things. It's a, it's a source of income for, for some of these stars that are maybe not as active or someone that's a little older like Lance. But for Lance, I, I can truly say that it was about meeting these fans and just seeing the Pumpkinhead 8x10s and being, you know, signed and, you know, on his big banner that said Lance Hendrickson, one of the biggest things on the on the banner was a, a shot with him and, and uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. as Pumpkinhead. And he, and granted, I wanted something from Pumpkinhead signed, but I, my favorite role of his was in this 1991 film called Stone Cold. I have a huge, uh, you know, Columbia Pictures uh, issued licensed uh, banner, movie banner, final banner from uh, from the film's release. I, I ended up finding a few years ago on eBay, and I, I, I truly love that film so much. It's one of my favorite films starring Brian Bosworth, but Lance Hendrickson completely improved improv the role and uh it was a completely improvised role and he was just amazing in it he is just so great in that film and he's uh, truly amazing in this one i feel like his acting is uh un uh underappreciated right now you know the guy is what is it 60 he's 80 years old he, he is now 80 years old i met him when he was 78 ish um 79 but I mean, if if you can go and and watch Pumpkinhead, uh, I I would love for you to uh, to do that because this movie is just important. It's very important. I I think uh, to the memory of Stan Winston, who's no longer with us, to the career and the legacy and the acting abilities of um, of Lance Hendrickson for how the character was developed by Stan Winston and Tom Woodruff Jr. and the, and the effects team and uh, how memorable this film is. Um, and it's something we can all relate to. And I, I truly uh, want people to watch it because, because it is, it is uh, one of my favorite films. It's one of my favorite monster movies for sure. And uh, that's what we're missing in 2020. In my opinion, as far as uh, genre film goes, we are missing monster movies, and we need them back. And, uh, you know, with little to no CGI. Uh, I know that's a pipe dream, but if they never come back, if we never get real monster movies, hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll settle with what we got. We got a lot to, to choose from, and uh, Pumpkinhead may be one of the last great monster movies that sadly came out 32 years ago but uh, what a timeless film what a great classic monster film and uh i can't i can't say enough great things about it and uh 
I apologize that we had no guests on here. Um, I did want to get a guest, um, but our schedules, unfortunately, did not line up. Uh, Jay Gordon, uh, who is a fan in, I believe, South Africa, because uh, I believe that is the time zone he was on. Unfortunately, we could not make our schedules work, but he did an amazing art uh, alternative poster. He did, I think, three or four different pumpkin head posters, but there is one who would I, which I am going to post as the, as the, uh, episode, uh, art for this. Cause I, I do want people to go check this out because he did an amazing job. So t- check him out on Instagram at Jay Gordon draws. And, um, I will, uh, I will post that art as, uh, the new episode art and, uh, tag him in it. So he sees, it. I wanted to give him a shout out because, I know he uh he loves uh he loves this film and and the art that he did for it. You can tell that he loves it as well. So I am uh grateful that we have Pumpkinhead. I'm grateful to Stan Winston for making it. Um grateful for Lance Hendrickson's uh career and uh this is one of the shining points of his career for sure. And uh Stan Winston helped to make a lot of monsters and then he helped to make a monster movie called uh Pumpkinhead from 1988 and uh I can't say uh, much more other than uh, I really, really do love this film, and uh, I hope that uh, audiences and uh, people keep discovering it because it it deserves uh, recognition. So, check it out, 1988's Pumpkinhead.